Stories of the human spirit. Candid conversations about action, passion, and love. The Law of Action is about living in balance, moving forward with momentum in inspired action. Overcome challenges, create success, amplify your life, and achieve things you never thought possible. It's all waiting for you. If you're ready to break through your fears and live your life in massive action, this is the show for you. He's a best-selling author, speaker, advisor, your host, Mr. Action himself, Rob Actis. Welcome to the show, Action Takers. Glad to have you here. Living the Law of Action is based on my book, The Law of Action. And I love to connect with the movers and shakers of the world who are passionate about the good they do for others and who listen to their hearts, taking inspired action every single day. If this is your first time joining us or you've been with us for a while, I want to personally thank you for listening in and being here today. On this show, my guests, they are incredible. People who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of inspired action. My guest today does just that. In this episode, Terry Tucker and I discuss how you can discover your uncommon and extraordinary life. If you want to discover your extraordinary life, understand that you need to control your mind or it will control you and know that as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. This is the show for you. Terry Tucker has been an NCAA Division I basketball player, a Citadel cadet, a marketing executive, a hospital administrator, an undercover narcotics investigator, a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a high school basketball coach, a business owner, a motivational speaker, an author, and most recently, a cancer warrior. He is the author of Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Living Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Terry and his wife have lived all over the U.S. and currently reside in Colorado with their daughter and Wheaton Terrier, Maggie. In 2019, Terry started the website Motivational Check to help others find and lead their uncommon and extraordinary lives. Terry, welcome to the Living the Law of Action show. Thank you, Rob. I'm excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. And thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate it. You know, it's amazing how... You know, you cross paths through friends and you're like, wow, I never knew you had that connection. You're always one away from someone incredible. So really glad to have you here today. All right. So you have done so much. And first of all, I love that you're a cancer warrior. Congratulations, because you definitely are a fighter and you definitely have overcome that and you continue to. It's not something that goes away. It's something that you kind of have adapt to. And, uh, you know, of all the things that you've done you definitely are an action taker. You know, one of the things that that I think is so important is the motivation. And we'll just dive into the cancer part. People say, you know, life is terrible. I'm just not going to get out of bed. And how, you know, I don't know if I can go further. I don't know if I can go on. How does someone, and, and I've, expect, I've experienced a near-death experience. I had a blood clot. And for three and a half months, I lied in bed to try to not die. And it's very difficult to go through any type of life-threatening or life-challenging illness or, or instance in that you, you sometimes go to a dark place and you sometimes like, I don't know if I want to get up. So what motivated you every day to be the warrior and to fight? Yeah, there, there's a big difference between living and not dying. 
I guess the way I look at it is we're all going to experience pain in our lives. Pain is inevitable. And it doesn't have to be cancer pain like mine. It very well could be, you know, you flunk a test at school or break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, don't get the promotion at work that you expect. Pain is inevitable. But suffering, suffering is optional. Suffering is what you do with that pain. Do you use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want people to feel sorry for you? I guess I want your audience to understand that I'm a human being. I have bad days. You know, there's no S on my chest. I don't wear a cape and fly around with magical powers or anything like that. Right. I have bad days. I just don't let myself stay there. And the biggest part of this, and you already mentioned it in the opening, is being able to control your mind. Because if you can control your mind, it's not going to control you. Yeah, and your mind is incredibly powerful. And and I know um, from my experience, it it moves really fast to dark. It just, you know, you just mentioned a minute ago, we had a technical glitch and you're like, you went dark. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I just thought you were talking about that, how, how dark I was going about. Are you going to wake up, you know, and are you going to get up? And I think it's important that you create momentum in your life and you create, you just own the situation that you're in. And you stay in the moment. And that's how you can get through this. Yeah, you you embrace the suck, for, for lack of a better term. I love term. it. That's I, a new I mean, t-shirt. All right, we're getting t-shirts made up. Embrace the suck. Oh, my God. That is so great. Get that domain. Oh, that's so great. Embrace the suck. I love it. We'll have to do, we'll have to do a, a, an event together called Embrace the Suck. Wow. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, you've done so much and I am looking here and I'm like, you know, NCAA division one college basketball player, the Citadel cadet, cadet. And by the way, thank you for your service. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that really got me fascinated is, and I wanted to just dive into it is I love negotiation. It's one of my most favorite things. And we talk about, um, this with our mutual friend, Audrey Lawrence in that. Your voice and your motivation, and I'm going to imagine how you negotiate, you use your voice in different ways. You do. I mean, you use a lot of things, but I don't remember when this movie came out, but it was called The Negotiator, and Samuel L. Jackson was this hostage negotiator. And, you know, it's a movie about <laughs> this guy did everything. And yeah. people always ask me, is that the way it's, it is? No. I'm like, no, that's nothing about it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a team effort, you know? Right, right. And you, you just get to the point, you know, as a policeman, most of your interaction, 99% of your interaction is face-to-face -face with people. Right. And whether it's a traffic ticket, whether you're going to somebody's house for a domestic, whatever it is, and you can pick up visual clues. You know, if somebody's balling up their fists, Maybe they're going to fight you. You know, if you're talking to them and they're kind of looking around, maybe they're looking to run or escape. And you can do something about that. You can sit them down. You can handcuff them. You put them in the car. Whatever is appropriate for why you're there. But as negotiators, that person wasn't with us. They were, you know, could be blocks away and we're talking on the phone. We could be negotiating through a door. Wow. So you had to get good at figuring out what people were saying based on or what was going on based on what people were saying what they weren't saying, and how they were saying it. And there were several times where I was negotiating with somebody, and we spent two hours kind of over here talking about something, 
when the real problem was over here and we hadn't even gotten to that. I mean, this person needed to burn off that emotional energy before they were willing to talk about the reason that we were there in the first place. And let's face it, if you were talking to me, you were probably having one of the worst days of your life. Absolutely. And you have to let them know that it's not the worst day of their life. That there's right. a light at the end of the tunnel and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and it's, it's, it's important to know that the motivation, as we're talking about motivation, your motivation, and I can only imagine, and I don't know why, but I'm tearing up is that, um, you know, I was in a situation where I was in an armed robbery and the guys came in and they shot at the ceiling and I turned around and I had a 357 Magnum put to my forehead and, uh, Whoa, that just hit me. Um, I thought we were going to be in a hostage situation. Uh, you know, I, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And, and what happened next was he turned his attention to a young girl who was in the checkout. Um, it was a clothing store, Ross clothing store and turned his attention to her and left me. And he went and really wanted to get in the cash register. And he was very aggressive towards her. It's something that I will never forget. And I can only imagine the responsibility and talk about motivation is you being on the other end of a line in a hostage situation and know that you are in essence possibly in control of the hostages survival. And that is sheer motivation. It, it, it is. And, and I'll be honest, I never, we, our, our team never lost a hostage. We certainly lost some hostage takers. About, we right. were successful about 90% of the time getting the person out, getting the hostage out. I mean, a lot of times it wasn't necessarily a hostage. It was just a barricaded person. Right. You know, I, I, somebody who was wanted for something or, you know, whatever. They did something stupid, ran into a house, barricaded themselves. But, you know, the way I always looked at that, and, you know, 90% of the time we were successful. 10% we weren't. That was your decision. I'll do everything I can. I've got great training. I, we work with a psychologist. We do all kinds of, of things to make sure that we, we can help you the best we can. Right. But the bottom line is it's your choice whether today is your last day on earth or not. And it's always a tragedy because, you know, I don't care if you're, you know, if you're a crackhead or, or you're a bank robber or whatever you are, somewhere there's somebody who loves you, Absolutely. somebody who cares about you. And, and and you have to remember that as a cop, you know, not everybody is bad. Everybody, I think in most, most cases are good, but somebody loves that person somewhere. And it's always a tragedy. I don't care what the circumstances are when life is lost. But again, it wasn't my decision. It was right. your decision. What motivated you to put that gun to your head and do what you did? Or what motivated you to put that gun down and come out? I'll do what I can to help you. But again, you know, it's not fair just to sit here and say, okay, something that may have been festering for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I come in and I'm like, here, solve this problem in two hours, four hours, five hours, whatever it is. It's just not fair to me. We did the best we could with it. Right. But the bottom line is it's your decision whether this is your last day on earth or not. Well, you're the author of Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles of Living Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life, and you definitely have had an extraordinary life. So what is one principle that you can have that will lead to an extraordinary life? 
So I, I, I always love this question because when people read the book, you know, that each chapter, each principle is a chapter. Absolutely. And the, there's always one that resonates with, with the reader. You know, it's like number seven was, and, and they're not in any particular order. You know, seven's not any more important than one, but the one that always resonates with me and it resonates with me because I've done it is most people think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. Absolutely. And that's the one. And I've done it. We've all done it. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I'd like to do that. What are people going to say about me if I do that and I mess up or I fail? You know, and we don't do it. We don't get outside our comfort zones, but that's the only way you're going to grow. Absolutely. So that, that's that's a big one for me that, that, I mean, that's the one that resonates with me. It's amazing how fear can absolutely just flood your mind with just cloud and that you cannot think clearly. So how does one overcome fear to be in that moment and be motivated and to take inspired action? Yeah, I, I'm not sure you want to overcome it, you know, and, and I, I I remember sometimes when I, I, had, I had a partner when I was running a beat as a policeman and uh, most of the cars were single person cars, but we were kind of the hot car. We got all the, the hot runs, but we also got like, hey, the neighbor called to turn down your stereo. And it's like, really, we're going to this. But my partner and I had an agreement that's like, if one of us says, you know what? I got a bad feeling about this. You know, the hair on the back of my neck is sticking up and stuff like that. Right. We are going to be extra cautious. I don't care if it's a knock on the door and, hey, you know what? Turn your stereo down. You know, turn your TV down. Whatever it is. Right. I guess I'm dating myself. I don't think people have stereos anymore, do they? <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, fear is, 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 a, is a great motivator because it's like, you know, I'm scared to death. I can either be paralyzed from it. I remember when I was a basketball coach, I, I, I coached girls. And one day I, we're in the middle of a game and I turn to the bench and I point to a player and I'm like, get in for so-and-so. And I go back to coaching the game. And I look at the scores table and the person's not there. And I turn back around and I'm like, go in the game. And the person's shaking me off like a pitcher, major league pitcher in a, in a game with a catcher. I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm, I'm like, what? You don't want to go in the game? I'm like, well, we're in the middle of a game. I got to have a counseling session with a player. And I said to her, why don't you want to go to the game? Tears started coming down her eyes. She's like, I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake and people are going to laugh at me in the stands. You know, and I told her, I said, look, there are no uniform wearers on this team. You show up every day to practice and you work hard. You deserve to be in that game. Not only do you deserve to be in the game, but your teammates are counting on you to help out. You know, this isn't just about you. This is about us as a team. I'd never done a counseling session on the sidelines in the middle of a game while it was going on behind us. Wow. But fear is a tremendous motivator. And eventually she realized I have an obligation to this team and went into the game. But it was fear motivated her to, I'm not going in. I'm, a, I'm afraid of what people are going to say about me. Wow. Yeah, I I did something that was incredibly, I'm afraid of heights. And I did a, a flying trapeze school. And it okay. took me, I broke the record. It took 20 something minutes to climb up the ladder. And I'm like, oh my, and I was in front of my friends and it was just horrific. I got up a little bit and then all of a sudden they're like, you got to keep going. And it took a long time to get up there. And I don't know whose brilliant idea it is, but when you get up to the very top, it's clear plexiglass. So you're up, you're okay. scared anyway, and you're up at the top and I'm like, wow. So I didn't want to do it. 
and I, I want to get into it. And the guy's yelling at me, you're not getting down. You're not getting down. You're only going to fly. And I'm like, oh, my God. So he said to me, he said, Rob, here's the deal. There is no more danger in front of you. And you cannot be any more scared. So all you can do now is jump. And it really, man, put so much in perspective because fear is all around us. And, and I, I find that, you know, self-worth for most people is what really allows fear to just overcome them. And, you know, like your basketball player, I'm not worthy of being out there. I'm afraid, you know, I'm afraid of someone who's going to laugh at me and, you know, I don't have the inner strength. So how does someone build up their inner strength to be motivated, to get out there and to take action? I think you have to just face that fear. And when you were telling that story, our daughter is a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy. And part of what they had to do was jump off of a, I don't know, it was 20, 25 feet in the air tower you know, wearing full ABUs, the the wow. uniform, you know, kind of the day, boots and everything, into water and swim underneath this obstacle. And, and you, you had to do that to graduate. So, you know, and I'll tell you, our daughter was like, not doing that, not doing that. You know, I'll do this. And I, but again, over a period of weeks, it was like, okay, just go up there and stand. All right, now you can come down. And then just go up there and get up closer to the edge and go, I mean, eventually she did it, but it just takes time to, to, to face that fear. And if you can overcome that fear, then you're a stronger individual. And the next time a fear or a challenge is presented to you, then you're going to be, hey, you know, I, I tackled that one. I can tackle this one. So you just kind of build on this. You know, it's kind of like the little snowball going downhill. It just That's gets right. bigger and bigger and bigger and you have more confidence, but you, you've got to get through that first fear. And I mean, I mean, we all have. You have a fear of heights. You know, we all have different fears of things and we need to respect that. There's a there's a great book by a guy by the name of Gavin DeBecker who wrote who was wrote a book called The Gift of Fear. And this is a guy who consults with the Secret Service about protecting people and things wow. like that. And, you know, he talks about facing that fear with the understanding that we all have them. But if you run from them, you're never going to get better in life. Yeah, absolutely. It. It's, you know, the law of action is based on decide, plan, and act. And it's about overcoming your fear, like just owning your fear and moving forward. And what I like about what you just said is that you can take baby step steps. You can take baby steps. So what you do is you decide, you plan, you act, you take action, and then you can adjust and you can pivot. And the cool thing is when you do that in life, it creates a momentum. So what your daughter did was create a momentum to to get to the end result. So she built that foundation and you can do that in your life. Just, you know, you don't have to be the biggest overcomer of fear. You can take those baby steps and you build that foundation and it's like a muscle and you create that momentum and you get stronger and stronger and stronger. So how did she do? Did she make it? She did. What? She did. She's a lieutenant in the U.S. Space Force now, the new branch of the military. Wow, that's awesome! Congratulations to her and to you. That's really wonderful. How? How did she? That's the coolest thing. I'm curious. When she did it and she overcame that fear, what 
what was her reaction when she was she elated or was she just a sense of oh, calm? Yeah. No, she was elated. I mean, I, I got a phone call. I'm sure as soon as she got out of the water, it was like, Dad, I did it. You know, and it was like, yes, you know, I, I knew you could. But as you say, you just break it down. I mean, if you think about it, our brains are hardwired to avoid that pain and discomfort. We don't like pain and discomfort. Right. But what if you, instead of running from pain and discomfort, what if you embraced it? What if you flipped it inside and burned it as fuel or used it as energy to make you a stronger, a tougher, and more determined individual? How much better would you be if instead of running from all the things that scare us, we just stood up to them and used them to make us stronger? Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And, you know, life comes at you so fast. And there are things that scare us. I mean, the way the world is today, it's kind of scary, you know? And that's, you know, right. I think, I think mental toughness is another important factor. Now, is that one of the traits in, in your process of mental toughness, of being able to be driven and not just to overcome your fear, but to have that inner strength? Oh, totally. I, I, I talk about, and, and you mentioned a couple of them in the opening, my four truths. One is the control your mind or it's going to control you. The second one is the one I just gave you. Embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that to make you stronger. The third one is more of a legacy truth, for lack of a better better word, and it's this. It's what we leave behind is what we weave in the heart's of other people. And then the fourth one you also uh, talked about earlier was as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And and I use those things. I, I had my, my foot amputated in 2018 and my leg amputated in, in 2020. And I had a nurse recently ask me, she's like, you know, what was that like? And I'm like, well, it, it hasn't been easy. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I, I go back to the Jim Valvano, the coach of, of North Carolina State back uh, in the 1990s, he was dying of cancer, won an award at the ESPYs for courage. And he said, you know, cancer can take all my physical faculties, but it can't touch my mind, can't touch my heart, and it can't touch my soul. I didn't understand that when he said it back in the 1990s. I understand that now. You know, as I lose, <clears throat> excuse me, body parts, I kind of joke with my orthopedic surgeon. It's like, geez, you're piecemealing me to hell one body part at a time. You know, it's like, here's a foot, here's a leg. You know, it's kind of, we kind of joke about it, but that's not who I am. You know, right. that, that this is, this is just a vessel or a home or whatever you want to call it for who we really are. I mean, it, it's our heart, our mind, our soul that makes up, you know, Terry, that makes up Rob. That, that it, this isn't it. So it's just kind of a different way of looking at it. Well, that that's really beautiful how you said that. And I know there are a lot of people that are going through so much. And, and I have a lot of friends right now that are that are fighting cancer. And it's, you know, whether it's cancer or whatever you're going through right now, it's it's very difficult. And I, I love what you said in embrace the fear. You know, I always say, you know, fate, what you know, how can I put it? Um, break through your fear. And I, I love embrace. And it's, to me, it's, it's very one and the same embrace and break through because 
when I talk about break through your fear, I'm actually taking it and you're strapping onto your fear and you're just jumping together. You're, you're making that leap because it doesn't really go away. It, it gets to a point where it doesn't control you. Yeah. I mean, and, and for us in law enforcement, when I was, it, it keeps you alive. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, people used to always ask me, do you get, do you get scared, you know, from time? Like, yes. Any cop that tells you that they they're not afraid is either an idiot or they're lying to you. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, there are, there are just things that you, that you know. I, I worked in the drug unit for three and a half years, worked with a guy. And when he was in uniform, he went on a noise run that we talked about, knocked on the door and said, Hey, turn your television down. You're bothering your neighbor. And the guys inside were like, okay, turn the television down. Well, when I was in the drug unit, we arrested a guy that was in that apartment six years later. Wow. And that guy told us that if he would, he told this guy, because he remembered him, he said, if you would have walked into that apartment, there was a guy behind the door with an AK-47 that would have killed you. And, you know, he's like, I guess it's a good thing I didn't walk into that apartment. So, you know, when the back of, you know, the hair on the back of your neck goes up, you need to pay attention to that. I mean, it's there for a reason. We, we have these things built into us. You know, they're survival mechanisms. So, you know, don't be, oh, I'm tough. I'm brave. I'm not that tough. I'm not that brave. And I'm six foot eight, 240 pounds. So no, you know what? You, you need to, the things you have inside you I always tell people that everything you need to be successful in life is already inside you. Just need to find it and pull it out and use it to your benefit. Yeah. Your, your spidey sense goes off. Yeah. You, yeah. That's good. You, you know. I mean, it, and yeah. I think that's so important that you need to pay attention to your spidey sense. You need to pay attention to what's going on. You, a lot of people go through life and they're almost like on a sailboat without a rudder and just floating around. And you have to be responsible for your life and you have to drive your life and to just float around and, and let things just happen. Now, I'm a very flow person. I'm not about friction, but when I say flow, I'm very intentional in what I'm doing. Yeah, you need to be involved. And, and I, you know, I've seen this a lot with cancer where people will just take, and I understand this, you know, they'll just turn everything over to a healthcare professional. And, and, and I ask, I'm sure my oncologist is about ready to hit me over the head with a two by four. I ask a lot of questions. You know, why are we doing this? You know, if this doesn't work, where are we going to go? I, 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 I want to be, I guess I want my life to be about the decisions that I made, not about the decisions that somebody else made or decisions I didn't make. I want to be actively involved in my life. Good, bad, up, down. It it doesn't matter. I may make mistakes along the way, and I certainly have, but I want to be the one making those mistakes. I just don't want to turn my life over to somebody else and say, here, you know, cure me. You're not going to cure me. I'm going to cure myself. You, doctor, are going to help me do that. Well, your oncologist might be hitting me in the head with a board too because it's practicing medicine. And I yeah, think it's so it's the practice, right? It's the, it's practicing. They, they don't have all the answers and they're mm-hmm. human just like us. And if they make a mistake, we're the ones that have the consequence. And it's so important to, to be an advocate for yourself. And you have to be, I, I have friends that are going through some serious medical stuff and they are just strapped into a roller coaster like at Disneyland or Magic Mountain and they're going through on a ride and 
they're not faring very well. They're just not. And then there's other people that are driving. Like they ask a ton of questions and they are getting results and they are finding out and researching and and they haven't given up. And I think what happens is when people get into difficult situations, there are times where they just like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, we, we, we have a friend right now who's going through a, probably at the end of her life with breast cancer. And and I am being treated at the University of Colorado where they, they can do, you know, experimental clinical trials and things like that. She was being treated somewhere else where they were only allowed to give FDA approved medications. And and I she's a more of a friend of my wife's. And, you know, I, I said to her, you know, how's she doing? She's like, no, she's not doing very good. I said, well, she should go to the University of Colorado. Oh, she only wants to do these, you know, FDA approved. I'm like, she's going to die if she continues to do this. Why not right. go down fighting? Why not go down trying something that, yeah, maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's not. I mean, that's what I want to do, you know, and, and I am, I'm in a, I'm in a clinical trial right now that beats the hell out of me, you know, for an entire week and I get a couple of weeks off and then I do it again. You know, it's every third week. And, and again, that goes back to embracing that pain, embracing that suck. And it's going to suck. I'm going to start again on Monday. And it's like, you know what? Okay. Bring it on. It's going to make me a stronger individual. There, there's a, there's an old story. It's probably not true, but it's a great story anyway about Alexander the Great when he was dying. And he brings his counselors together and he's like, you know, I want you to carry out my final three wishes. He said, my first wish is I want only my doctors to carry my coffin to the grave. My second wish is I want the, the road to the cemetery to be paved with gold and silver and precious stones. And the third is I want my hands to be hanging out of my coffin. And one of his counselors was like, you're Alexander the Great. These seem like kind of goofy wishes. Why do you want these? And the first one is kind of what we were talking about. He said, I want my doctors to carry my coffin because I want people to realize that no doctor cures anything. They just help the body to cure itself. Right. So that, that's the first one. The second one is he said, you know, I spent my entire life conquering and amassing riches and, and fame and fortune. And none of that is coming with me beyond the grave. And then the third one was basically, I came into this world empty handed. I want people to realize that I leave it pretty much the same way. And I love that story because I think it really kind of encapsulates what's really important in life. You know, fame, fortune, money, all that stuff. Great. Can't take it with you when you go. Love, peace, you know, motivation. You can take that stuff with you. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, and I have this conversation a lot on this show and my other podcast, Living the Law of Action show here and then Life Transformation Radio is when you're faced with a near-death experience, and I, I think it's important to have this conversation and that you need to live every day like you want to be alive. Like you have to choose your life. And I've had a few near-death experiences, and I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is when I've been in those situations, not what material objects I've ever accumulated or anything. What, what hit me the quickest was immediately the people in my life and the regrets I had of not doing things, but actually saying things or being with one more time with people. So when I, whenever I talk in front of young people, especially like if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you think you should do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret 
are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. And, you know, we're all going to have regrets. And I don't have a lot. I mean, you, you kind of talked about my resume. I've done a lot of things in life. But the things I do regret are the times when I was selfish and other people got hurt because of that. And and there's not a lot I can do about it other than to try to make amends. You know, you, you can't go back and live your life. You, you can you can start from where you are and move forward and try to make your life better. And I think I try to do that every single day. But I always felt that, you know, if you find your purpose in life, whatever that is, and a lot of times people are like, you know, it's got to be your job. It doesn't have to be your job. I mean, you you could have a job over here to pay the bills, but your purpose is to paint, to write, to volunteer, whatever that is. But if you find your purpose, and and I've seen this, and I'm going to make a huge generalization, seen a lot of people die as a policeman and over the number of years I've had cancer. And the people that seem to die, what you and I would call happy deaths or peaceful deaths, seem to be the people that found the reason they were put on this earth and lived that reason. As opposed to the people who go kicking and screaming, I want another day, I want another week, I want another year. Those people never did anything with their lives. Right. There's a there's a Native American Blackfoot proverb that I just love, and it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's what I want. You know, I, and when I had my leg amputated and I found out I had these tumors in my lungs, I went to the mortuary. I went to the cemetery. I went to the church and I planned my funeral. And people were like, what? That's kind of defeatist, isn't it? And I kind of looked at them like, well, last time I checked, we're all going to die. Absolutely. Everybody dies. But not everybody really lives. And the living part of it is the most important thing. Live, Find your purpose and live it. You do that, death isn't nearly as scary as, as for people who don't find their purpose. Uh, it's interesting you say that. So my dad is in hospice right now and he's dying. And he's been there a long time. Dude will not die. And it's amazing how he was a very negative man. He had a lot of bad things that happened to him. And he he held that anger for so long. And he got so close to death, I put him into hospice. And all I did was made an intention that he would die peaceful. That was my only intention. And I was adamant with the hospice people. And I said, here's what's going to happen. And I took the driver's seat. I sent him a Alexa speaker. He used to be a swing dancer. And I said, here's the speaker. I got him Apple music or not Apple music, but I got him, I got him Amazon music and I have swing music on 24 hours a day. He's in a private room. He doesn't have a TV. I said, no TV because he would just watch TV constantly, constantly, constantly. It was always news channels. They'd flip it around. He had other people in the room and it was just negative going in. So the only thing he has is swing music. Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller, you know, Les Brown, not Les Brown, but, um, you know, all, all, all the Etta James and, and Billie Holiday and just all the great music that he remembered. He hadn't smiled in months and months and months. And he doesn't communicate. He doesn't talk anymore. And it's so great. I had him. He had a, a toupee on. I said, take that off. Shave his head. Shave his face. 
just allow him to be at peace. And the most amazing thing is he's been smiling, which is amazing. And he keeps getting better. He's on no medication. And I think this is amazing because I wish that he would have passed earlier. And I think back and I was talking to some people, some, uh, some light workers and they said, what you have done is you've created a opportunity for him to complete his life to, to have that, you know, instead of crying to die, to be at peace. And I see him on FaceTime often and he's in another state. He's in San Diego and I've never seen him at peace until now. And it's, it's amazing how he's accepted he's going to die. He's got dementia and Alzheimer's, but he's accepted it in his soul. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how, like, he was talking the other day. He doesn't talk, and he was talking. And he is not fighting, but it's like he's been rebirthed. And I've had a challenging um, relationship with him just because of some actions that he took. And I've always been his son and I've tried to be supportive of him, but I loved him, didn't like him. And yeah. it's, it's overwhelmingly, uh, such a beautiful thing is I like him now. I like to call him on FaceTime because he looks 30 years younger, which is amazing. He let go of all the negative and, and everything. And he just, you know, he had his last rights and he accepted that he's going to die. And it's so beautiful because now when he goes into his afterlife, he's not going to have all that yuck. I even removed people that were not good energy around him, that were visiting him. I'm sorry, but you're negative and you've been bad in his life and you're not good. And I don't know what vampire motivation you have to hang out with my dad, but that's getting cutting off at the knees. And it's just been incredible how he has thrived. And I mean, he's never going to get out of bed and he's going to die eventually. But he sits there and his music is on all the time. And I ask him, how do you like your music? And he, there's a little bit of a smile. And, you know, Give I just purpose. Absolutely. You know, purpose gives you peace. Yeah. And I think what it's doing is it's playing back the times in his life, which was the most happiest was swing dancing. Like he loved that. And it's interesting because the energy in the room is so different. The nurses comment all the time. They go, wow, it's so different around him. He's so at peace and he's very calm. Like he was always agitated and always. And and I think that, you know, having that flow, like you, you know, you have cancer, you, you were bold and you went and you looked at, you know, mortuaries and cemeteries and end of life, what's going to happen. And you're just like, we're going to die. Like I was talking about dying the other day. I'm like, I want to be cremated, have a party, celebrate my life. I don't want you to be bummed out. Like it's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm on borrowed time. Oh, I, I know I'm on borrowed time. I, Absolutely. I, mean, I have tours in my lungs that can, you know, uh, it, it, but I always start to kind of like, you know what? That's, when I go, when you go, way above our pay grade. You know what? Yeah. 
I don't have any control over that at all. And it's funny when you tell that story, I think back to my own father, who, when I graduated from college, had was diagnosed with end-stage breast cancer, and they told him to go home and die. And he lived three and a half years. And I always remember this, and I kind of tucked it away in the back of my mind, because he had a purpose. And that purpose gave him peace, kind of like swing music gives your dad peace. Yeah. You know, and it gave my dad that. I mean, my dad went to work up to two weeks before he died, you know, and it was like, and they told him, three, you know, three and a half, go home and die. You, you have breast cancer. And in a male in the 1980s, they're like, we don't know what to do about that. You know, I mean, they do now, but, you know, things have changed. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what we all want, isn't it? That, that peace at the end of our life that A, our life had meaning and B, we're at peace with that. And I think if we get that, yeah, again, I think it goes back to finding our purpose. We were put here for a reason. Right. You know, there's never been anybody or will it be anybody like you or me. Right. We are that unique. And so, you know what? What, what are we here for? Find that purpose, live that purpose. And then at the end of your life, you know, I kind of, yeah, you know, William Shatner went into space yesterday and, and I kind of feel like start, you know, him on Star Trek, you know, Captain, where do you want to go? I want to go out there. I want to yeah. see what's beyond this life. Because I believe there is something behind this life. Absolutely. You know, living on borrowed time and feeling like, you know, <laughs> wow, okay. And you 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 get a feeling inside you of, okay, well, there's a reason I'm alive because I've overcome so much. And it definitely changes your perspective on life. It did for me. I mean, I, I wrote a best-selling book and I coach people and I inspire people and I want them to have lives that are you know, happily ever afters and let them know how much it's, they're worthy of it. And it is that sense of peace. You know, you look at movies and you see those people, they're like, no, I'm good. You know, they stay back and, and they've lived their life. It's, it's, it's a very powerful way to live. And I think you, as well as I, we want people to learn from that and to not have to be in the situation that you and I have been in because life is so extraordinary. And when you quiet down and you have a sense of purpose and realize that this is it, not a dress rehearsal, and that to live every day like you want to be alive, that's a powerful way to live. And so few people do it. Yeah. You know, so people, so many people just go through the motions. It's like Groundhog's Day, day after day after day. It's the same thing. And it's like, you know, people ask me if, if you could do it over again and you didn't have cancer, we, no, cancer's made me a better person. Right. You know, I, I don't like all the crap that's gone along with it. And, you know, the couple of times that I almost died as well. But you know what? I, my doctor showed me my CAT scan from 2020. And I mean, I, I don't have any medical background, but I kind of know what should and shouldn't be there. And I remember looking at it. I mean, I had fluid all around my lungs. I had big tumors in my lungs. And I kind of looked at him like, how was I alive? He's like, yeah. I have no idea. So that what, what that said to me was, God's not done with me yet. You know, and when yeah. he is, it'll be time to go. But for right now, let's put as much goodness, as much peace, as much motivation, as much love back into the world as we can. Yeah, that really hit home when you said that in that, you know, I had a blood clot and um, it was a solid mass from my hip to my ankle. The doctor looks at me, and goes, <laughs> I don't know how you're even alive. How are you and why you even have a leg? And, you know, you're going to go home now and you're going to kind of do everything you can to not die. Because if one of those those little 
microscopic pieces goes, you're going to have a stroke and you're going to die. And it's so powerful to live every day like you want to be alive and, and to know that you're in your lane and you're doing what you're supposed to do. And I, I, from the bottom of my heart, and I know you, we want people to take a moment and breathe and to really dwell on what's important. There's such a morass of crap going on around us and none of it really matters. And it's amazing how I had a nurse recently who, when I first met her, she was in training in the unit for me. She was still a nurse, but was in training. And a couple months ago, she was taking care of me full time. And she said, I want to tell you a story, but I'm really nervous. And I'm like, well, just tell me the story. And she, she's young. She's about 25 years old. She said, when I first met you, she said I was going to get out of nursing. She said, I had a good friend die. It was in a really dark place. I talked to my mom and dad. I was going to quit nursing. I was going to go to work for Amazon. And she said, then I met you. And I see what you go through every week, the crap and everything. And I read your story. And, and she said, just watching you, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Now, if she would have never told me that story, I would have had no idea that my life had an impact on her. How many people out there are looking at, at you, Rob, and say that you never know? You have no idea who they are, but they want to be like you. I mean, we are role models for other people. How we live our life, how we express our life is something somebody who we have no idea who they are is watching us and saying, I want to be like Terry. I want to be like Rob. I want to be like Bob. I want to be like Sally. Whoever it is, we have that. It's not about us individually. It's about us collectively. It's about us being out. I mean, that's one thing I learned playing team sports is that, you know, this this clinical trial drug I'm on, probably not going to save my life. But our doctors gleaning information that maybe five years from now or 10 years from now, they can develop a drug that will save somebody else's life? Probably. And I learned in team sports that, you know what, if I don't do my job, not only do I let myself down, I let my teammates down, my coaches down, my fans down, my parents down, everybody else. So life is not about you. Life is about us. And us together can do anything that we set our minds to do. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Yes, sir. Terry, thank you so much for being here today. What what a treat. Uh, Audrey Lawrence, thank you for crossing our paths. And thank you for connecting us. I really enjoyed our conversation today. And You, my friend, are an inspiration and definitely someone who is an action taker. And I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you very much for having me on. I mean, I always come on podcasts and think, you know what? If our conversation makes a difference in one person's life out there, today's been a good day. Well, today's a good day. It definitely made a difference in my life. And I know it's going to make a difference in our listeners' life. And, you know, if you would like to follow up with Terry, you can reach him at motivationalcheck.com. So glad to have you here. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy and precious day to listen. We so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me along my very special guest and new friend, Terry Tucker, to touch your heart, move you, inspire you. Remember, take time out to breathe. Don't let fear stop you. Decide, plan, act. Live a life of massive, inspired action. I'm Rob Actis. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Living the Law of Action show. 
with Mr. Action, Rob Actus. Please rate, review, and subscribe.